This episode is presented by Away Travel. Quite simply, Away makes everything you need for a trip away. Away started with the perfect suitcase, then built from there, creating a range of travel standards developed from the travel stories of friends and seatmates. The pieces aren't smart, they're thoughtful, with features that solve real travel problems. To give the whole world access to better travel standards, Away took the direct-to-consumer approach to lower prices and the quality is guaranteed. Your Away suitcase will be with you for life. We are teaming up with Away and Podgo to give you the best deal on premium luggage by going to podgo.co slash away. That's P-O-D-G-O dot C-O slash A-W-A-Y. Away Travel, here to make your journey seamless. Welcome to Yield Crime, where we discuss the funny, strange, and obscure crimes of yesteryear. I'm your host, Lindsay Valenti, and with me is my sister and co-host, Maddie Stengel. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm okay. It's snowing. It is, and it's like that pretty Christmassy snow where it's like big, chunky flakes, and it's really slow. And yeah, it's pretty. And it's going to all melt and be super gross in like two days. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those snowfalls where it's like it clings lightly to like the branches of the trees and stuff. So it looks very winter Christmas card-ish. Full disclosure, I think I'm getting sick. So if my voice starts to like cut out towards the end of this episode, I apologize. But I have lots of water and coffee Mm -hmm. and cough drops. So we will get through this together. Gumption. And gumption, the best cure of all. So we're in March. Yep. March is now going to be known as Mark Madness because (laughs) Mark was our biggest donor for Mm -hmm. our equipment fund. And he doesn't know this. So surprise. 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 But instead of just doing one story for him in the month of March... We're doing the whole month of March for him. Yay! Thank you, Mark. You get some witches, and you get some witches, and you get some witches. All the witches. What if you just call it Wicked Mark Madness? There we go. It's Wicked Mark Madness. <laughs> wicked Mark. <laughs> wicked Mark. Who's our first witch now? Whoa, who's, who, who are we talking about? We are going to be talking about a lot of witches today. Because we're going to be talking about the Essex witch hunt victims. Awesome. You know it's going to be violent when they don't even sugarcoat it. They just say victims. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Starting strong. Awesome. So information for this episode was pulled from the following sources. A 2017 Tudor Society article. 2017 Essex Witch Trials website. 2017 Smithsonian article by Kat Schnur. 2015 Mirror article by John Livesey. 2013 The Haunted Palace article by Miss Jessel. 2013 History of Witchcraft in England article. 2011 Oxford Dictionary of National Biography. Atlas Obscura. Brit Events and Wikipedia. All right. And links to all of these articles will be included in the show notes. In case it wasn't clear, this takes place in England. I am going to screw up names. Yep. 
especially considering these are going to be super old names. Yeah. So like Link Falconshire <laughs> on the garden. So consider this my blanket apology statement to <laughs> everyone in Great Britain who knows how to say your things better than I do. Right. We have a, a whole pre, pre-made section in our corrections copy just for you. Mm-hmm. Made it all comfy cozy for you. Sorry. It's called I'm Sorry, England. so witch trials were a big part of the 16th and 17th centuries with waves of executions taking place across great britain between 1644 and 1646 300 women were executed for witchcraft and that's just in two years wow okay so so just like a side note too when like were the plagues also happening during this time do you know <laughs> there were successive epidemics of plague in the 16th and 17th centuries based over 10, 20, or 30 years, produced mortality rates as high as 20% in urban areas, where whilst the morbidity rate at times was more than double the death rate. So they were just like, they were killing while also just dying from random diseases. Like that just seems really excessive, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the whole act of witchcraft no, trials all, is pretty excessive. It, it's all but, pretty barbaric and asinine yeah. and ridiculous. But so great. Like on top of if if you didn't lose your mom to the plague, you might have lost her to being a witch. Yep. Awesome. Many of those accused were investigated by the infamous witch finder general, Matthew Hopkins. <laughs> what a job on Indeed. Yeah. And that's a name he gave himself. So. Let's just Yeah, it's it sounds like a name he gave himself. Witchfinder General. Yep. It sounds like um when Dwight True, like the the assistant to the regional manager. Yeah. <laughs> so witch hunts in Britain took place all over in Suffolk, Norfolk, Bedfordshire, Huntingdonshire, Northamptonshire, and Cambridgeshire. But the epicenter that held the most trials and executions was Essex. And today we're going to go into more about the atrocities that took place there. Uh, side note, there's a really fun and absolutely ridiculous uh, reality TV show called The Only Way is Essex. Because apparently Essex is now like England's L.A. So yeah. it's kind of funny that like it turned from an epicenter to killing witches to like plastic surgery. <laughs> Val- Valley girls. <laughs> plastic surgery and, and Tiffany's. Quite the, quite the change. Quite the glow up. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Here we go with that. So what history has been able to glean about the people from this time is cobbled together from four pamphlets that were published between 1566 and 1589. These describe the lives and deaths of the one man and 30 women who were prosecuted for witchcraft in Essex. Wow. And before we really dive in, I just want to establish a couple things first. Okay. So it may surprise you to learn that the trials that took place against witches, right or wrong, were lawful. Yep. The Witchcraft Act of 1542 was the first law drafted (laughs) in England to punish witches and established during the reign of Henry VIII. Of course he would do something. He'd okay something like that. Yep. He probably thought some of his wives were witches. Probably. Wouldn't surprise me. Under this law, witchcraft was officially labeled as a crime that was punishable by death. 
Witchcraft was categorized as using invocations or other specifically magical acts to hurt someone, get money, or behave badly towards Christianity. Sorry, I'm just shaking my head. (laughs) Yeah. Don't behave badly towards Christianity. How dare you? Especially, well, that makes sense, too, because he had his, began the Church of England during that time. Yeah. You said something bad about the Church of England? Death. 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 The act of just being a witch, whether you did anything or not, could also cost you your life. Sounds about right. The law was only in practice until Henry's death in 1547, but was replaced in 1563 during the reign of Queen Elizabeth I. At that time, an act against conjurations, enchantments, and witchcrafts was passed, stating that the act of using witchcraft for the sake of killing or destroying any person was punishable by death. And unlike in America, witches were not burnt in England. They were only hanged, imprisoned, or put in the stocks. So it was just a normal crime. Yes. I mean, I don't know if that's a better death. I mean... Would you would you want the instantaneous, like, you're tried, you're fried kind of thing? Or would you rather... I would rather have my neck broken than be burnt alive slowly and painfully. Yeah. But sometimes it takes so long if, like, the calculations are wrong. and If you're stuck in that jail the whole time, what if you, like, get the plague while being in jail? Then they would probably let you die from the plague in the jail. Yeah. Instead of hanging you. Instead of being, like, plague death. And we'll hang you just as an extra, like, chef's kiss at the end. (laughs) Ye old CDC claimed it as a plague death. (laughs) That's ours. That's ours. That's one of ours. Add to the list. You can't have that one. Yeah, it's too close to home. Too close. Yeah. Too, too, too soon, soon, Maddie. Too, too soon. soon. Too soon. <laughs> yeah, because who? I, God, I don't understand anybody who wants to go back to that. Like, they're deciding, like, wouldn't it be so cool to go back to, like, the 16th century? No. No. Especially if you time traveled, because then you'd absolutely be pinned as a witch. Instant death. Instant death. Yeah, so unless you can, okay, Google yourself out of that situation. Yeah. I don't recommend it. Okay, Google, transport me to somewhere in the 16th century where I will not be accused of witchcraft. And they just (laughs) dump you in the ocean. Like, they just dump you in water. (laughs) So the first major witchcraft trials in the area started in 1566 with the trial of Agnes Waterhouse in Chelmsford, Essex. Chelmsford. It's kind of a cute name. Mm-hmm. Agnes was accused by her daughter Joan, as well as another woman named Elizabeth Francis. What? You threw your mom under the bus? Yeah. That's cold. All three were accused of witchcraft and hailed from Hatfield Pevital Village. Oh, so the three of them were accused? Yes. But so Joan had accused her mother. First. Yes. That we'll get into blew it. Up we'll in get her into face. It. <laughs> So the three women were accused of sharing a familiar named Satan, fitting. <laughs> you know, my goldfish. <laughs> yeah. That took the form of a cat. A cat that aided in them casting evil spells and mischievous deeds. I'm sorry, but if you live in a Christian world, you should not name your cat Satan. Whether yeah. or not he was named Satan. Here, yeah. Satan. Hail, Satan. <laughs> Here, Satan, 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 Satan. <laughs> Satan. Where's my Satan. Who's my little Satan? (laughs) Who's a good Satan? (laughs) 
Nibbles for Satan? Yeah, that's not a not a good name no. during that time. No. In addition to this accusation, which was made by a 12-year-old girl, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. I honestly, how, oh, gosh, I'm just tr- like thinking of your girls. How traumatic would it be for them to like, they're mad at you for something. And they're like, you're a witch. And then for you to just die because they said that as like a taunt. Well, I'd have to have some sort of proof. Yeah. But like. She's got a cat named Satan. So. Yeah. There you go. I've heard them call their cat Satan. And then they're like, death. (laughs) Well, there you go. Take her away, boys. To the plague jail. We need to save money on nooses. Another witness accused Elizabeth of making advances towards another man in the village. Ah, there we go. And after he rebuffed her advances, it said that she had sent the familiar to kill him, with the creature later finding her a husband and child to make her happy. Oh, so he's a he's a matchmaker and an assassin. Yep. And he also loves belly robes. Who doesn't? <laughs> Satanic belly robes. <laughs> According to testimony, Elizabeth was so happy that she gifted Satan to Agnes and her daughter Joan. While at her house, the cat apparently spoiled butter and cheese and was described as having the head of an ape, horns, and a silver whistle around its neck. Okay, but if there was a cat like that and they were calling it a cat, I would definitely say that they were witches. Yeah, if it had like a monkey head, screw that noise. (laughs) Sorry. Any neighbor that had a terrifying animal like that as a cat i'd be like oh yeah burn him <laughs> like, what is that's that? a aptly named creature there ma'am just burn the house down burn the whole house see what happens yeah. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> the basement ape. what this cat also supposedly went on to bewitch a man to death and drowned a neighbor's cows. As thanks, Agnes was said to have given a drop of her blood to Mr. Satan, and the red spots upon Agnes's face were believed to be confirmation of this. Ah, so they, they accused her of, of giving the, the cat ape blood because she had acne? Yep, pretty much. Bummer. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. But many believe that the actual cause of her persecution was the fact that Agnes only said her prayers in Latin, something that wasn't acceptable in Protestant England at the time. Mm -hmm. I remember hearing about that, just knowing about Henry VIII and stuff. So Agnes, 63 years old, after being tortured, confessed to all the charges brought against her, including the killing of William Finney, and was hanged immediately after the trial on July 29th. And her 18-year-old daughter, Joan, wasn't charged and was set free. Jeez. Elizabeth Francis was sentenced to prison and the stocks, then later accused of witchcraft again in 1579 for supposedly killing her neighbor, Alice Poole, where she was found guilty and hanged as well. Mm-hmm. Alice Chandler was executed for murder via witchcraft in 1574 for supposedly bewitching and killing an eight-year-old girl. Oh, Okay. Do, you, do we know how the eight-year-old girl died? No. A lot of these, if it says death of a child, most of the time it was when they were in infancy. And a okay. lot of this has to do with the fact that these women who were witches, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. were midwives in some aspects. Um, so, of course, if so a child... So they were blamed like, for, like, stillbirth or... So if a child was stillborn or if it... Had SIDS. 
then of course the midwife the had midwife. and she had uh, bewitched the child and that's what caused oh, the death so geez. in the case of the older children dying it could have been they passed from an accident a lot of these records don't go into great detail so for yeah. some of them if i do know i will note it in the notes but most okay. of the time i don't so hmm. if it just says they died then chances are i couldn't find out from what because honestly, I mean, there were active plagues happening during this time. So I'm assuming most of these people just died from sickness in general. And accidents were probably pretty common during this mm-hmm. time. I mean, you could die from falling off a horse. You yep. could die from falling off a bridge or getting kicked by a horse or, mm-hmm. you know, there are any number your of house, ways. Your house catching fire because you left the fire on. There are any number of ways that you could have passed during this period of history. So, uh, yeah, witches. But yeah, it's all their fault. So it's all their fault. Well, that's why. That's why no deaths like that happen ever, ever again. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Zero horse death. Horse deaths. Zero horse deaths. <laughs> all witches. All we witches. Played that one. <laughs> You're welcome. We fixed it. Cecilia Glassenberry was hanged in 1574 after she was found guilty of bewitching a person to death. And that's another one of those blanket disclaimer statements where the cause of death wasn't really noted anywhere. She just bewitched this person to death. Yeah. So to me, that sounds like she just made them get sick. Yes. Yeah. They they got sick of something and they passed. So. And it's her fault. Yes. Got it. Ellen Smith was accused of witchcraft in April of 1579 after she was said to have sent a black creature that, quote, resembled a dog to cause the death of a child. She was then found Mm. guilty and hanged. Honestly, that would be really terrible, though, if like she did have a dog and it killed a baby. Yeah. And she she just owned a dog. Uh, Because that's that that could very well happen. Like she had a dog for some other purpose and the dog was like. You don't feed me enough. I'm going to go eat this baby. Yep. Just like the pigs in France. Yep. Alice Noakes was accused of injuring a man who stole gloves from her daughter and attacking a plowman's horse after he refused to speak to her. I mean, it sounds just like she just has anger issues. She just hates everything. I would, too, if I lived in the 1500s. (laughs) Like, how dare you take my daughter's gloves? I made those. She was hanged for murdering Elizabeth Barsett via witchcraft in 1579. Yeah. Illness. Acted like a witch, so she, she must be like one. Witch, yep. Canadan, that's how I'm going to say the name. Canadan, Canadan, saw the trial <laughs> of spinster Rose Pye in 1580. Uh-oh, not a spinster. Yeah. She was accused of bewitching a one-year-old girl named Joanna Snow to death at Scaldhurst Farm. She was acquitted, but she died in jail, likely because she was unable to pay the fees to be released. Awesome. One of the biggest cases took place in February and March of 1582, when witch hunter Brian Darcy questioned one man and 13 women from the villages of Little Clacton, St. Ossif, Thorpe, Walton and Little Oakley. I'm sorry, but Little Clacton sounds like the cutest town ever. Yeah, I kind of want to go there. I, I just, I just it picture is. it like full of like miniature horses. Yeah, <laughs> I just, I hope it's actually cute. The servant of one of Mister Darcy's relatives came to him complaining that Ursula Kemp, 
a woman she'd been seeing as a healer for her family had killed Uh one of her children and attempted to do the same to herself and another of her kids. Ursula confessed to attacking several villagers and accused her neighbors Elizabeth Bennett, Alice Newman, Alice Hunt, and Annis Glasscock of also practicing witchcraft. Okay, side theory like that I'm kind of getting at is um, medicine was witchcraft. And if you didn't save them through modern medicine, you were an evil witch. Yeah. Because it it's, all, very it's all the people that were like delivering your children or like making the herbs for your tea to make your cold go away. Mm-hmm. So it kind of seems like modern medicine at the time was witchcraft if it didn't go well. Yep. Pretty much. Awesome. Others came forward claiming that Ursula was a witch, including her own brother, who stated that she'd killed his wife for calling Ursula a witch and a whore. I mean, I've I've known people to kill for less, so. Yeah. Did they have an ape cat too? (laughs) No, but we'll get into her familiars. (laughs) Ursula testified to having several familiars, including two cats named Titty and Jack, a toad named Piggin, And a lamb named Tiffin. Okay, that's just really cute. Do they live in Little Clacksville with our Shetland pony? I have no idea. I hope so. I don't know what their home address is. They all like live under a rainbow. It's like a forever rainbow. The lamb was said to have killed the daughter of Grace Forlow. (laughs) It just got so dark, sorry. (laughs) While Cat Jack was said to have killed Ursula's sister-in-law. You know, the one that called her a whore. I mean, makes sense. Newman was described as being one of Ursula's accomplices, but while Newman was imprisoned until she was pardoned in 1588, Ursula was found guilty on three counts of murder via witchcraft and hanged in April of 1582. Elizabeth Bennett pleaded guilty to using spirits to kill her neighbor and his wife and was hanged in April of 1582. Annis Glasscock was convicted of three murders and died in prison. Mm. Alice Hunt was acquitted of the charges, even though her eight-year-old stepdaughter tried to convince the court that she kept spirits and murdered cows. Nice try, stepkid. She later threw her off a horse. (laughs) (laughs) All of her animals, all of the the familiars. You are the worst stepdaughter ever. (laughs) That poor eight-year-old's life. Here, why don't you go ride this horse named Fierce Jack? (laughs) Right. (laughs) frolic in the fields we'll see what happens hey you want to pet this cat ape named satan (laughs) i brought you a pet he has horns he's sweet yeah marjorie salmon who was also listed with the last name of barnes in some places pointed the finger of blame at joan pesci as a witch that murdered john johnson who collected money for the poor not john johnson not john johnson Joan was also accused of committing incest. Hopefully not okay, but like, Johnson. Like how many, uh, truly though, like how many people in, during that time would have died for that? I mean, there wasn't CCTV at this point being like, no. oh, so-and-so's <laughs> brother has spent way too much time in her hut, if you know what I'm saying. Ye old nest cameras. <laughs> Ye old big brother. <laughs> Others labeled as witches included Cicely Sells, Joan Turner, Elizabeth Eustis, Alice Manfield, Annis Hurd, Margaret Greville, and Anne Swallow. Aww. 
Cicely and her husband, Henry, were accused of property damage and arson by their wealthy neighbor, Richard Ross. And Cicely was also accused of murdering a neighbor's son and his daughter. Sounds like the rich guy was just mad that his property had any issues at all and just wanted to blame somebody instead of buying more, paying more stuff. Both she and her husband died in jail after being tried a second time, along with their son, Robert, with Ross once again claiming arson. He just wanted their land, didn't he? He was just a rich asshole and wanted somebody to blame for shit. Cool. He also accused them of attacking his maid and killing the child of one of his workers. Wow, he was petty. Yeah. Alice Manfield and 55-year-old Margaret Greville had a slew of charges brought against them, including preventing farm work due to magic, murder, (laughs) and arson. Arson again. But thankfully, both were acquitted. Were they able to pay their way out of jail? I have no idea. Elizabeth Eustis, who is 53, was accused of poisoning animals and humans, but was never brought to trial. Now, see, that's that neighbor that buys, like, puts poison bread on lawns. Yeah. Maybe she did. Maybe she was like, I hate everyone. (laughs) All of you suck. (laughs) Especially you, Ross. (laughs) So much rotten sourdough. Annis Heard was accused of murder and keeping spirits, which would cause misfortune to any neighbors who refused her charity. She was acquitted. Yeah, that seems so. Refused her charity? Yeah, like any nice thing she wanted to do for them. Yeah. So that, of course, she'd be acquitted. Like, how dare she try to help me with something? She's clearly a witch. (laughs) What a bitch. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Charges were brought up against Joan Robinson of Walton for causing wind damage and harm to animals. (laughs) But the charges were dropped, probably because she was a wealthy woman. Maybe it was because she was loud. Maybe she just went, like moved her arms around like she was a wind, like a wind tunnel or like a inflatable tube guy. (laughs) Whenever she she went about town. She was just a heavy breather and mouth chewer. (laughs) People were sick of it. So they said she caused (laughs) all that mouth, open mouth chewing. Caused my crops to crumble. <laughs> she was acquitted, so that's alleged. <laughs> Allegedly. The pieces of food that fall out of her mouth are like hail. <laughs> Just further damage. Why are there pre chewed pieces of sourdough everywhere? It's gross. Why, why was my wheat destroyed by bits of beef? I don't understand. Cicely Mackin was jailed for five years in 1585 after she was charged with practicing witchcraft. Wow, she survived in jail for five years? Upon her release, she refused to change her ways and was once again found guilty of practicing witchcraft in 1590 when she was excommunicated from the church. I mean, if you survived jail for five years, I also would emerge not giving a fuck. Same. Like... What are you going to do? Put me back there? Like, I survived. Yeah. In 1589, Joan Prentice was accused of consorting with a familiar that took the form of a ferret and went by the name of Bid. Oh, no. What if she actually did just have, like, a ferret friend? And people were like, that's weird, bitch. <laughs> Why do you have a ferret for a friend? Like, oh my, is that a ferret in your scarf? What? 
Ew. <laughs> That's gross, Joan. Those are unsanitary. All right. Not like anything else is unsanitary yeah. in the 50s. <laughs> yeah, right. She was accused of sending it to the home of a man named Glasscock to attack his daughter, Sarah. She was found guilty and hanged on July 5th. Wow. 1589 was also the year that 10 people, including Joan Cunney and her daughters, Avis and Margaret, be arrested and caught and accused of sorcery. Oh, sorcery. That's a little different. Yep. Joan Upney was among those accused and was hanged alongside Joan Cunney on July 5th. Abbas escaped hanging after pleading pregnancy and was instead hanged in 1590 following the birth of her child. Margaret was found guilty and sentenced to a year in jail and six appearances in the stocks. In 1645, Colchestershire Castle, which was built in the late 13th century around 1076, was converted into a prison by good old Matthew Hopkins, the Witchfinder General. Oh, there you go. Perfect. In 1645 alone, 36 people were imprisoned and or tried for witchcraft there, 19 of which were executed, while nine died from typhus, or jail fever, as it was called at the time. Gross. Six were imprisoned for three years until 1648. Ugh. Only one of those imprisoned during that year was acquitted of the charges laid against her. And she had to be there for three years. I can't imagine, especially like with jail typhus, like, Mm -hmm. oh, God. Okay. The trials themselves took place between March and May of 1645. Torture was illegal, but Hopkins found other methods to use to get the information he wanted. He would force suspects to stand for hours at a time or utilize sleep deprivation to get them to confess. Yeah, it wouldn't take long for either of those. He also employed the famous swimming test, where the accused were thrown into a pond tied to a chair to see if they could float. If they didn't drown to death, thereby labeling them as an innocent, God-fearing person who just went to heaven, Mm. they would be found guilty of being a witch and publicly hanged. Awesome. Hopkins' first trial was that of Elizabeth Clark, who was successfully labeled as a witch. Accused by a tailor named John Rivet, she was tortured before confessing to sleeping with the devil for many years, as well as for using a familiar named Vinegar Tom that took the form of a long-legged greyhound. Vinegar Tom. I'm sorry, but that sounds really cute. A greyhound named Vinegar Tom. I know. I kind of want one. (laughs) I know. He he sounds lovely. He sounds like he should be wearing an adorable little sweater or something. Right. After offering up other supposed witches, Elizabeth was found guilty of the crime of witchcraft and hanged. She was 80 years old. Wow. Elizabeth Gooding was one of the women that Clark was also accused of being a witch. Gooding was accused of killing the horse of a shop owner in Manning Tree named Robert Taylor. The horse was named Robert Taylor? The shop owner was. Okay. <laughs> I want the horse to be named Robert Taylor now. You too. Robert Robert Taylor's horse, Robert Taylor, Robert Taylor Jr. Jr. (laughs) (laughs) What what if it's instead of Robert Taylor Esquire, it's Robert Taylor Equine, 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 Equine. (laughs) (laughs) So Robert Taylor, the person, believed that she cursed his horse after he refused to sell her some cheese. (laughs) Okay, that's a reach. Yep. Got, got it. 
She was found guilty and hanged on July 17th, 1645. Jeez. Oh, for some Gouda. That's not Gouda. It wasn't very Gouda for her. <laughs> Anne West was accused in 1645 of using sorcery to kill a neighbor's baby after it was stillborn. Again, going back to the whole midwife thing. Yep. Medicine is bad. Yep. Her own daughter, Rebecca, who was also accused of being a witch, testified against Anne in an effort to earn her own freedom and escape the hangman's noose. Anne had previously been jailed for nine months after being accused of killing a neighbor's pig, and she spent three months in jail with her daughter before she was ultimately found guilty on July 17, 1645. Mm. Anne Leach was accused of causing Richard Edwards' cows to fall ill and die. She was also accused of causing the death of a child that lived near the homes of Elizabeth Clark and Elizabeth Gooding. She was also found guilty and hanged. These are some powerful women. Mm-hmm. Taking down cattle and children that they probably don't even know. Left, right, and center. Yep. Mary Greenleaf was accused of having devil's marks in private areas. Not a mole. That's gross. Yeah, that's disgusting. <laughs> Birthmarks are gross. You're a witch. And after being inspected by Priscilla Briggs and Elizabeth Hunt, it was discovered that she had three teats. Aww. She had a nurple. That's really sad that she could die for having a nurple. Yep. Witches' marks were one of the most common ways in which witches were accused. These marks were supposedly caused by imps sucking upon the witch to gain strength to do their bidding. Mm-hmm. In the case of Mary Greenleaf, she was found guilty of her crimes, but ultimately fell victim to the plague and was given a Lord's pardon after her death at the age of 84. After her death. Got yeah. it. Cool. Yeah. Cool, cool. July 25th, 1645, so the hangings of the following. Mrs. Waite, Jane Brown, Jane Briggs, Mother Foreman, Mother Miller, Anne West, Rachel Flower, Mother Clark, Mother Benefield, Mary Green, Frances Jones, Mother Goodwin, Mary Foster, and Mary Rhodes. Wow. And our mothers... That just means they're married. Okay. Interesting. Or that they were widowed. Okay. Essex would be the home of the first 33 of Hopkins' estimated 300 victims of his witch hunts. Jeez. And even though trials continued into the 17th century, they did finally come to an end in 1735 with the Witchcraft Act. This act would go on to make it a crime for anyone to claim that a fellow human being has magical powers or is guilty of practicing witchcraft. This act brought into law the abolishment of the hunting and killing of supposed witches in Great Britain. You know, it's kind of crazy to think about. Hmm. The Witchcraft Act was made 30-some years before American independence. So, like, it just blows my mind that, like, George Washington potentially, like, lived in a time where you could still be accused of being a witch and die that way. Mm-hmm. Would he have been a witch for chopping down the cherry tree? <laughs> <laughs> Only if he lied about it. <laughs> With his wooden teeth. Unfortunately, Essex and their superstitions would claim one last victim. No. Even after the act? Yes. <sighs> okay. Unbelievably, one of the last witch trials in Essex took place in 1863. So over 100 years after. Yes. Okay. 
This involves an 80-year-old man who is unfortunately only known as Dummy. Oh, that's so sad. Okay. This man, who was essentially mute and deaf, lived alone in a small mud hut outside of Seibel Headingham in Essex. And due to his inability to properly communicate with others, besides the use of often crude gestures, many believed that he was, you guessed it, a witch. Oh, that's so awful. He would often travel to the neighboring villages to earn a living selling fortunes and would often be seen wearing Uh a number of coats and hats at the same time, in addition to traveling around with an entourage of three or four small dogs. He sounds kind of cute. He does. I do want to note that the people that he lived near Mm -hmm. all really liked him and they just thought he was just like... Eccentric. This eccentric guy... He didn't hurt anybody. He lived alone, but he mm-hmm. was well-liked in his community, his local community. Okay. So since he was old, and I imagine not very fast when traveling, he was in Ridgewell and asked if he could sleep at the prisoner's house for a night. But he was refused, much to his displeasure. Mm. Soon after this, a prisoner named Emma Smith became ill and, of course, blamed Dummy, begging him to remove the hex he'd put on her. <sighs> She was able to track him down back in Seibel to the Swan Public House, where she, along with one of her fellow prisoners named Stammers, was able to entice him out of the pub with promises of relations. Okay. Unfortunately for Dummy, Smith and Stammers attempted to kill him by throwing him multiple times into the brook before he was finally saved and able to retreat back to his hut. Ah, how awful. The next day, he was found soaking wet, shivering violently, and taken to the Union House at Halstead to be treated by house surgeon Mr. Sinclair. He later died there after succumbing to the injuries he'd sustained from being thrown repeatedly in the brook. Uh, He was old. He was 80, wasn't he? He was 80. Emma and Stammers were thankfully found guilty for killing him, but unfortunately both were only sentenced to six months of hard labor. Which would have been just labor at that point. Yep. That's terrible. Ugh. The list of signs that you were a witch were many and often as superficial and ridiculous as you might think. If you looked funny or were old Mm -hmm. and happened to have warts or age spots, you were obviously a witch. Yep. If you had an animal for a companion, you were a witch. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was easy to accuse people of being witches because it was very easy to blame neighbors you didn't like mm-hmm. for doing shit. Yep. Literally anything at all. Of those accused, 90% of them were women. And from 1560 to 1675, 760 men and women of Essex were accused of consorting with or themselves for being a witch. Obviously, Jeez. many were acquitted, but as we listed above, just as many were jailed or hanged for these supposed crimes. That's crazy. And many of those accused were said to have committed witchcraft in the act of some form of dispute between family or neighbors. That's, I'm just thinking of like neighbors you don't get along with. Mm-hmm. I, I, ooh, that'd be quite the, the horrible thing if you did, if a neighbor started to not like you during that time. Yep. You wouldn't be safe. Today, a granite stone memorial sits opposite Colchester Castle to honor those who were tried, convicted, and executed for the practice of witchcraft in Essex. The plaque reads as follows, in memory of the victims of the Essex witch hunts who were imprisoned in Colchester Castle. 
In the 16th and 17th centuries, over 200 women and men were held in the cells of Colchester Castle on charges of witchcraft. Many died while awaiting their trial. Much of the evidence was based on superstition, ignorance, and hysteria. This plaque is placed as a memorial to them all and in the hope of an end to persecution and intolerance. Yeah, we're not quite there yet, but we're getting there. And that is the history of the Essex witch hunt victims. That was trash. I hated every second of that. Except for little Clapton, because I'm just thinking it's a Shetland pony that is badass and doesn't want anybody to mess with his friends under his little rainbow village. I just want Vinegar Tom to come with the Oh my God, if like Vinegar Tom like delivers cookies to them or something, I don't know. Clotted cream. And bid the ferret just like hangs out. He's like, hey guys, I'm a ferret. Yeah. Look at me. Hi, I'm Jules from Riddle Me That True Crime. I'm Robin Warder from The Trail Went Cold, and Jules and I want to tell you a little bit about a case that means a great deal to us. The death of nine-month-old baby Jacob Landine on April the 10th, 1987 in Socorro, New Mexico. The day prior to his death on April 9th, baby Jacob was being watched by his mother Brenda's new boyfriend, John, not his real name, in his mobile home on 1453 Fatima Drive. While John was babysitting Jacob, Jacob would incur what would be his second head injury in a period of weeks. The prior head injury was a subdural hematoma or brain bleed, and it was serious enough that it needed to be lanced to take pressure off baby Jacob's brain while being monitored by doctors over the course of several days. The circumstances surrounding how Jacob was injured and subsequently died are murky at best, with the suspect giving multiple versions of the events of the day, ranging from Jacob choking and accidentally hitting his head while trying to dislodge a cookie, to Jacob falling and John returning to see the injured infant. The suspect also reportedly confessed to two officers that he was indeed responsible, but there is no paper or audio record of this confession in the police file. The reasons given by the DA for not pursuing the case are confusing as well, with one of the reasons being that they were worried that John would file charges against the state. It was the opinion of the doctors that baby Jacob was struck in the head and this was no accident. In the years to follow, John goes on to sexually abuse young Eric, who well as physically abusing his mother Brenda and emotionally abusing and isolating them both, making the world very small. During the autopsy, layers of abuse seem to be present. A healing rib fracture from around the time of the first head injury is also discovered. It's impossible to say exactly when the injury took place, but what is clear is that someone was abusing young Jacob, and that person was most likely John. Eric Landine, Jacob's brother, has been fighting to get justice for him. However, he faces some obstacles such as the statute of limitations of six years on second-degree murder that State Representative Bill Ream has petitioned to have overturned. Join Robin and I, as well as criminologist Dr. Ashley Wellman, an investigative expert, a legal expert, a forensic psychiatrist, as well as Jacob's brother, Eric, as we explore all angles of this case and try to bring awareness, understanding, and hopefully, ultimately, justice for Jacob. The series starts on March the 1st. Tune in on your favorite podcast app. So this week's podcast plug is a special collaboration between Jules of the Riddle Me That podcast and Robin Warner. Okay. So these two will cover the heartbreaking case of the death of nine-month-old baby Jacob Landine. Mm. 
and they also will interview a number of experts in the field to try and ultimately determine the truth behind his death and bring justice for Jacob. This podcast will start on March 1st, and you can check it out on Jules' Twitter for more information, and I will include a link to that. Wow, that sounds heartbreaking, but also really fascinating at the same time. Mm -hmm. This week's listener question is provided by Emily of the Pineapple Pizza Podcast. Okay. She wants to know, what is the worst thing you've ever laughed at that you probably shouldn't have? Oh, there's so many. Oh, man. Okay, I will say the worst thing. I I laugh when children fall. I'm the, I'm the worst. But if, like, children fall hilariously, like, into mud or, like, <laughs> like they, they trip and... Like they don't like hurt themselves, hurt themselves, but they like, you know, do like a somersault fall on their butt and they, they have that like, ah, look yeah. on their face. Like I, my first instinct is to always laugh because like, it's hilarious. It's like mm-hmm. these like death defying stunts that they do. And then they're totally fine. And it was so ridiculous that you just, but I'm sorry, anybody who falls in mud is, it's just hilarious. The only thing that's coming to mind for me and I, I could probably try to find it, but chances are I won't be able to. I remember this video from years and years ago of a man who was skateboarding and he fell and he broke his shin. Okay. But in the video, they zoom in and like his leg was broken to the point where like it like flopped at like a a 90 degree angle. So he's like holding his leg and going like, oh, Oh, like freaking out as his legs like flopping around as he's oh, holding no. it. And for whatever reason, it's like really, really funny. And I'm like, but it's it so would be ho- so painful because his bone is actually like broken in half. Like, oh, but the reaction geez. on his face is really funny. Like he can't believe too that like, like he's like looking around like, does anybody else see this shit? Oh my God, my leg is broken <laughs> in half. Like, that's insane. So yeah, what's something good you'd like to share this week? Something good I'd like to share is I actually got to see you yesterday. I was able to go over to Lindsay's house to help her color her hair, which if you have, I think you'll probably see by the time this podcast comes out. But my dog, Willie, and her dog, Kona, the last time they saw each other, it wasn't good because Kona was afraid of like all dogs. Mm -hmm. But they are now in love. And they were being very cute and like licking each other's faces and just having a good time. And it was nice to see you. And I wore a mask the whole time and made sure that we were careful. But it was just really nice to have some have some time with you yesterday. Mm-hmm. That was also my something good this week. Mm-hmm. We were able to see you in person and see how well behaved Kona was in the presence of another dog. Oh my it was, god, it was so really cute. cute. Like there was a point where like Kona would tuck her entire head underneath Willie's chin and was just like, I love you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was really cute watching him like play with her. Mm-hmm. Like when he actually was acting like a puppy and playing mm-hmm. like rolling around on the floor and playing with her. That was really cute. Yeah, that was really cute. But he never bit her. No, nope. because nor- normally he like even with little dogs, he'll like open his mouth. So if they fall into his mouth, he just goes, ah, like, doesn't really <laughs> bite him, but like pretends to. And he never bit her. He just only gave her kisses. And it was really cute. That's very cute. She did have to put in time out, though, when it became a little too much. But yeah, because Willie is significantly older. He's he turned six this year. So, yeah, <laughs> he needed he needed a break. You could tell. 
He was like, I need to lie down for a while. <laughs> it's nap time for the little one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's exhausted today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kona just keeps... She literally, like, I had to take the hooves away to force her to eat her dinner because she didn't, like, eat at all yesterday. Other than, <laughs> like, the... What were they? Hog hooves? Yeah. Hog hooves that Maddie brought over. They had peanut butter filled in them. With, yeah, filled with peanut butter. But yeah, she was just, like, gnawing away and eating those. And I was like, you need to eat actual dog food. Please give me a dose. <laughs> and eat. Shall we? We shall. You can find us online at yieldcrimepodcast.com. We're also on Twitter at yieldcrimepod and on Instagram at yieldcrimepodcast. We are on YouTube as well. If you'd like to subscribe, we have a P.O. box now. Yeah. So you can write to us at Yield Crime, P.O. Box 341, Wyoming, Minnesota, 55092. You can also email us at yieldcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Send us your questions. Or you could send us your reviews because we are having a review contest this month. So here are the deets. Leave us a five-star rating and review and send us a screenshot to be entered into a giveaway for an amazing prize pack of merch with an exclusive design that will not be available in our store. The contest will run through March 31st and we will announce the winner on social. If you have already left us a review and would like to be entered, you can Mm -hmm. do so. Just send it to us via email or DM us on the Twitter. The tweets. Such as this review right now from X Purpose X <laughs> on Apple. Five stars. Crime with a lot of funny. Hmm. This is an awesome podcast if you're looking for some obscure crimes and murders mixed with a healthy dash of good humor. Good listen, and I highly suggest you check this out. Give this one a listen, and I promise you'll be coming back for more. Ah, thank you. If you would like to support the show financially, you can do so on buying me a coffee. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a one-time donate donation. A one-time <laughs> donation. You can also join us on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month to enjoy early ad-free access to our episodes. Um, we also have five, ten, and fifteen dollar tiers, which will get you more content. You can also purchase merch on our T Public store. I don't know what any of the March sales are right now, so if anything, <laughs> stay tuned. <laughs> stay tuned. If anything is revealed after this comes out, I will of course announce it on social. But as of right now, I am unaware of any sales in March, but I know there will be some because there's always a sale. Yep. And on that note, as always, I'm Lindsay. And I'm Madison. And we'll see you next time with another tale as old as crime.